Welcome to One Day Contract, the Panthers talk show, where each week we're joined by a new personality who we've signed to a one-day contract to join the show. One Day Contract is a proud part of the Riot Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Be sure to check out some of our network makes. Keep pound in the Roaring Riot podcast, or it is what it is for even more great talk about your favorite team. Follow the Riot Network on Twitter, at the Riot Network, to stay up to date on all your favorite pods. Subscribe, rate, and love us where you get your podcasts. My name is Nikki Wolf. Alongside of me, as always, Mr. Colin Hoggart, columnist and contributor for the Riot Report, and he's just happy the Hornets didn't trade Malik Monk. It is great to see you again, Nikki. <sighs> it has been it has been too long. It's okay to see Josh again, but it is really nice to see you again. I agree. I don't talk until I'm introduced, <laughs> like a gentleman. Oh, is that <laughs> a new rule for 2019? Yep, that's the new rule for the new season. No Already talks. broken. <laughs> Well, we made it, what, a month and a half? <laughs> First time we've all seen each other yeah, in the new yeah. year. So, yay, congratulations. The voice you did not hear, Mr. Josh Klein, managing editor for the Riot Report, co-host of It Is What It Is, loves mocking your mock drafts, and is one win away from ordering an Orlando Apollos t-shirt. I'm telling you, once they go 2-0, and they're at the top of the power rankings for the AAF. The table? Do they call it a table in the AAF? Plus, you got GG... <laughs> You got GG at quarterback. I was going to ask if you were going to get a GG jersey. Man, do they I, make jerseys for they, the AF? They should. I mean, Orlando. You probably like you can buy one at Disney World. Go to Disney World. Go to well, don't go to Sea World because I don't think you're supposed to go to Sea World. And then straight to the Apollo's game. I'm in. I love it. <laughs> My team's actually Salt Lake City. It. Oh, you like that? You're a Stallions fan. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. They have Kalen Clay on the team. They've got who, Kenny Bell, the best hair in football. By the way, Kalen Clay not starting for the Salt Lake City Stallions, but did start for the Carolina Panthers, so it's fine. Yeah, the receiver core in 2017 was great. Really, really good. <laughs> really good. <laughs> really good. Oh, when we look back. Oh. On the one-day contract this week, Scott Fowler, national award-winning sports columnist for the Charlotte Observer, host of the Amazing Caruth podcast miniseries, as in the podcast is amazing, just, just don't read into that. Author of nine, yes, nine books and knows exactly where all the bodies are buried at the Observer. Huh. <laughs> can you nine name, books? Can, I was going to say, can you name the nine books like they're children? Um, no, no. That, <laughs> I, I subdivide them into categories, but no, I couldn't name them all. No. I can name all four of my children. I will yes. say I will say I was uh, I, I was Even looking at Tales mm. from the uh, Carolina Panthers sideline. So that's one of the nine. Oh, that's right. That's one I was of the early ones. Yeah, that was. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. I was actually looking it up something this week. So. Oh, there you go. Was that, was, that the, was, that was that back the, when there wasn't much history? That was only about seven years in, I think, or eight yeah. years in, something like that. Those were the days, right? Now I feel like yeah, you can't. It, I feel like now everybody can write. Like everybody feels like they can write a book. We're gonna get to the. Everybody that is involved later, but it's uh, I, I feel like there used to be a lot into being an insider, right? And being being there with the team every day. And nowadays, so many people, you know, they feel like they're there every day, but they're not quite there. Or you have bloggers that are writing stuff mm-hmm. that are never there or yep. something, right? Just aggregating or something. Yes, yeah, different. It's a different uh, climate for sure. That is absolutely and, true. And it seemed like in, you used to be able to save your tidbits for what you wrote, but now like people have to put it on Twitter, and then that little nugget that was going to be your gem and your piece is now floating around for everybody else to write an article about. That's true. Yes, you, you, you have to put it on Twitter now. I remember these days where we used to 
think about when we were going to put it online. Like it was a big deal. Oh gosh, we're going to scoop ourselves if we put something, you know, on the website at 9 p.m. We would often do it at 11:15 p.m. so that TV local. Mm-hmm. We always thought local TV sports was going to was going to take our scoop and read it as their own. It would happen mm-hmm. sometimes. The TV stations. So we'd wait and put it online at like 11:20 p.m. We would have it in the paper already, yeah. you know, but. I mean, can you imagine doing that nowadays? We'd hold on to news for eight or ten hours. No, no. Yeah, you could never do that now. If you hold it for like eight or ten minutes, sometimes I'll forget to. We'll be at practice, and I'll like forget to because behind the curtain, you write down your tweets at during practice, but you're not allowed to tweet during while you're in practice. So then you draft it, and then as soon as you walk out the door, you hit send. But if I forget to hit send, then it's like, well, not even news anymore. Like everybody, it's already broken. <laughs> That Cam Newton didn't throw during the – I mean, that wasn't really news at one point. But, you know, what, when we got to – I mean, we want to find out whether or not Brenton Burson is practicing at wide receiver. <laughs> and if I don't have that kind of stuff out immediately, then no one will know. And even five minutes late, it's like, thanks for putting out five hours late. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, to, to show you how things have changed as well, I met Scott a long time ago, and I know Scott doesn't remember this, nor nor should you remember <laughs> this. No, this. Uh, I was a member of the high school explorers program, oh. and and went to the stadium to to shadow Scott one afternoon. But it just so happened that our quarterback had gotten in a little bit of trouble oh. uh, the night before, and so Scott was like, "Listen, it's wonderful that you're here." <laughs> <laughs> I really would love for you to to learn something, but I'm going to deal with this right now. And I remember, like, I was excited. I had my notes and my uh, my pen, and he's like, "Just go, you know, listen to Nor, you know, uh, David Garrido over there or whatever." And I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> and then I'm like, and then like a, t- a, a former tight end went scurrying through the locker room, and he's like, "Did you get anything?" And I'm like, uh, "I actually didn't write anything down." <laughs> it was a, it was a short time that I spent with Scott, but it was it was a lot of fun. Wow, I, I didn't distinctly. remember that. You mean was this this was Carrie? Yeah, this yeah. was one of Carrie's escapades. God, yeah, and that I, was a while back well and it was like just the idea though that i would be as a, as a high school kid be allowed into the locker room on the day following that anyways wow. that is yeah that'll show you that it is yeah and i'm dating different. myself slightly yes too. what's the explorers program <laughs> yeah i think that's i i've locked uh, onto that i was yeah. just waiting no, for your paragraph to end i think it was a boy scout i think it was i think it was done through it was done through school but i think it was like a boy scouts explorers program i was not in scouts at the time but I, I did it through school. We went to CNC. We went there. Um, we went to 610. Um, that changed things for me. Uh, we went to the, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I, 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 Scott, we, we went to different, went to PEG. So, like, we were, it was a media explorers group. Mm-hmm. There was, like, 12 of us. And then we all got to do, like, little individual things. And mine was just set up on one of the one of those wacky days with, mm-hmm. with Carrie. Yeah, we still do that with high school students. It's not scout-oriented anymore but we have high school uh, like a high school journalism day every mm. year at the observer where there are hundreds of kids so oh wow para- i thought you were going to say it was that first but because i usually speak at that one too but uh, no you caught a carrie collins day of course there were a few of those back in the yeah. mi- mid 90s not like that was the only one but i apologize if i wasn't uh, better Oh, no, no, no. You had a job. Like, it's funny. Like, even at the time, I was – because it was the first time I'd ever been in the Panthers locker. Like, there's so much exciting oh, gosh, about it. You yeah. weren't necessarily right. the lead. Right, uh, right. No, I hope not. <laughs> yes, that'd be a bad lead. Yeah. But Good. it was a cool day. I just remember it being like, I have a job to do. And it would be like, I understand. And now I even understand more. <laughs> yes, right.
Now, was there a uniform associated with the explorers, or uh, probably just did khakis? You get badges, a, badges mm, and khakis. Uh, khakis and badges. That's kind of the journalist. Uh, that used to be like the journalist look, right? Was you had yeah. to wear khakis. I don't even. Remember. I think I just met. I think I think I may have just met you in the parking lot and got in. Like really, it, it was just like. Oh, you could just you used to just yeah. be able to drive into the stadium. It was very easy, and yeah, yeah. It was it was it was not a it was not a huge deal. Um, hmm. it, it, but it, I mean, it was a big deal for me at the time. But uh, there wasn't there wasn't pomp and circumstance. There wasn't uniforms and glitter and things. No glitter. No, that's fair. Doesn't sound real then if there wasn't glitter involved. So we start the show with Nikki's super important question. So since you brought up the first Apollos, one of 2019, the first one of 2019, you brought up the Apollo. So AAF, your thoughts, and is it good, bad for the NFL, Josh? Um, I think it's good for the NFL mostly because it kind of provides it. The, it's interesting. They're actually like looking at it as a little bit of like a minor league system, which obviously it's not going to be exactly like a minor league, but it is going to be good that these guys can play football at least a little bit professionally instead of just like so many of these guys, you talk to them in the locker room and they're working they're like working out with their they're like throwing with their high school coach and then all of a sudden two weeks later they're starting a game specifically Kyle Allen like did that exact thing like he three weeks was removed from like living at home with his mom and throwing in the backyard and then three weeks later he's starting at the Superdome like there is there's a big wide swath so at least these guys can say quarterback's a little different but if you're a tackle you're not getting any reps aside from just during 90-man training camp and I think it will be good for them now, personally, uh, my wife would absolutely murder me if I started watching football on the weekend. So uh, I'm, I'm out. I can't watch any of it. So if you want me to really go in-depth, I'll just wear my Apollo shirt, and that's all I will do. <laughs> will you be in a fantasy league, though? No, I don't think so. I saw some people doing some fantasy drafting uh, on the AAF, and that does really? seem fun. Wow. I do like to gamble. So if you want to put some money on the <laughs> AAF, now we're talking. <laughs> I look at this, and there's so many establishment football people, NFL people in, in this. The NFL has given some people the nod, I think, to do this. Because when you look at the XFL, like, not, like, I don't, like some of the players, a couple of the players came over, but n- nobody was willing to touch that league basically at the time because of if you ever want to try and get back to the NFL. With these leagues, it feels like there's a lot more uh, – the NFL has more to gain by these leagues existing now, I think, than they did back then. And I think they see it. What their level of involvement is, I don't know. But I do believe that the NFL has at least given a um, uh, wink of approval. Uh, yeah. sort. Of, yes, yeah. thank you, Scott, for picking me up. Well, and I kind of agree with what you're saying because I think the problem with the, you know, is that they wonder where their grassroots football is going to be uh, in 20 years, you know. So – Whereas the XFL, they probably felt they were sitting a lot prettier. But nowadays, I think you're probably right that they they probably do see more to gain than to, to lose out of an AAF. I honestly have not paid a bit of attention to it other than a couple of headlines that I've read. I, I can't say I even know what AAF stands for. Uh, I try Last to. Last word is football. Yeah, good job. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's alliance. There's probably an, an association yeah. in there, maybe or something. <laughs> I don't know. I switch over pretty uh, dramatically to basketball for a few months in the spring because I love basketball and I don't get to cover it during the Panther season. But um, now, that being said, I still try to follow free agency in the draft a little bit. 
But Jordan and uh, Marcel at our newspaper are far more adept at, at such things. I'm warning you in advance. If you ask me about the, you know, who the who, what safety they're going to draft in the fifth round, I will not know. Oh no, that's that's <laughs> it's mostly a quiz show. That's what the, that's what the show is going to be. So this is going to line up uh, poorly for you. No, I, I think it's. Uh, are you? Do you like college basketball or pro basketball? Both, both. Okay. Um, but I guess I'm more of an NBA fan. Mm. I, I mean, used, used to be other way around, but um, I've, the NBA, I think, is uh, – they've got it licked right now. I think they're they're phenomenal at um, – you know, the, and that they have a core of six or eight superstars who also are very socially active, smart, adept people at generating headlines in innumerable ways. They have so many games um, – and I used to think the 82-game season was way, way too long. Nowadays, I kind of enjoy it. I enjoy the NBA and uh, and that they've got this kind of conglomeration of talent at the top. I feel like we're in another, you know, a resurgence sort of in a Larry Bird, Magic Johnson era. I think mm-hmm. we're in very much the similar thing now with LeBron and Steph and Harden and Westbrook. And you can go on and on, and they'll all be here very soon. And Frank Kaminsky. Of well, course. of course. <laughs> got big Frank That's up right. there at the top. Malik Monk. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Put him on the billboard <laughs> on the side of the first union building. Remember that? That was, Those were the days. I think oh, we yeah. need another big. Yeah, that was great. That was awesome. Well, we need another big mural they, like they that. Painted, they, they painted it, and they had to paint over it, and they had to paint over it again, and they had to paint over it again in a span yeah. of 18 months or something like that? Because they just they said. They kept trading games? Yeah. 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 It, it was, was never the same after the, the first one was great, and then mm-hmm. they I think they put like Divac and Rice up there or somebody or yeah. <laughs> it wasn't quite Divac with a cigarette hanging <laughs> out of his mouth. <laughs> Vladi. Oh, okay, so I guess it's time to talk football. Are we ready? Well I thought we were. Panthers we were talking AAF. Yes. We're talking I will say one thing about the AAF. I remember so looking up at AAF. the game Saturday night and watching the hitting in that game. Like nothing really gets called in those games. It was Kind of fun to watch. Yeah, I wonder if they, like, it's weird because, like, we went to this extreme in NFL where we were, like, we're pr- looking out for the players and the safety, and, and then in the AAF we're like, look at how hard that guy's helmet popped <laughs> off. Like, yeah! Like, it's uh, it's The next-gen stats at the ways. speed at which his helmet popped off <laughs> yeah. is the next-gen stats. Like, I thought AAF. his head was in there. That's what <laughs> – <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. It's madness. All right, Panthers – few things have happened since the season ended. Let's first start just with just a few. Just a few. We'll start with uh, Eric Reed resigning, and we'll start with Scott with this. Your thoughts on this deal? Eric Reed. Uh, you know, I was a little surprised at what the money was, uh, but I think he's a good player, and they probably, with this, showed that he's their lead safety. The second one they'll try to get by on cheaply. It'll either be Galden or somebody else that they already have signed at a much more manageable number. Uh, and they will now concentrate on offensive and defensive line, which are the the biggest uh, issues. But I was yeah, I was kind of pleased to see it. I mean, I Eric Reed uh, kind of grew on me as a – I already liked him as a social activist because I think that's – kind of cool and I don't I don't mean just what he supports I like that players I like when they get involved whatever issue it is whether I'm involved whether I like the issue or not but also he grew on me as a player I thought he was in many games their best guy in the secondary Uh, many of their other ones 
got torched, you know, many times. I don't remember too many times when Eric Reed did. I'll be very interested to see if he feels more like a Panther. I felt like he was very much felt like a hired gun um, last year, particularly early in the season. I mean, even a lot of the things he said, like he would talk about Kaepernick. He talked about other players. He wasn't talking about necessarily about the Panthers and the Panthers team. I'm, I'm like Scott. I mean, you guys know I was not, I was not bullish on him when he got here. Um, and I, I think this says a couple things. They're not going to be drafting a safety, probably high in the draft, which, you know. if Good. Yeah. I mean, right. They've got other things to do. And um, and he is going to be he's going to be one of those. They want to have a veteran back there in the middle of the field. This contract, it seems like there's a lot of um, incentives in it. I mean, you have about ten million dollars guaranteed. That means in a year you can you could probably look to get out of that if you really needed to, or if you really wanted to. So this is a nice deal. It's a good number for him. Uh, it's a, certainly a veteran salary. He's not not off the scrap heap here. And yet, I think the Panthers keep keep some flexibility as well. I think everybody wins in here. And I hope I hope we'll see more Panther Eric Reed. I want to look at this from a couple different ways and I don't and I don't want to delve too much into making this the Eric Reed show because we we just keep talking about kind of the same thing. But I think from a football perspective, you look at what this guy brings is he brings that kind of that big hitter, that violent aspect to the back end of the Panthers defense they haven't had in years. I mean, I can't remember a guy Maybe Mike Mitchell, I guess, but even Mike Mitchell doesn't really feel that way to me. Where you were a little, you were, you were hesitant to go over the middle if you were Julio Jones or or Cole Beasley or one of these other receivers that kind of makes their Julian Edelman somebody that makes their money in the middle. I, I feel like Eric Reed is a, is a guy that you don't want to see twenty five coming af, coming at you, and I, I think having that edge and making a little bit more of that Panthers defense have that Panther defense feel. Because I, I know they've been really good over the past few years. Statistically, this year, not so much. And the end of last year, not so much. But uh, I think when you go back in time, they had these historically good Panthers defense. And I'm just not sure that that they have been there from a roster standpoint recently. And I think you're getting back to that when you add guys like Eric Reed that inspire a little bit of fear from a, from a football standpoint. And I, I do think that's going to help a lot. Um, I thought it was really interesting when we talked to him on the conference call that he said, you know, one of the big reasons was he really liked Charlotte. And when I asked him last year, like how is how like he was fitting in, he was like, oh, man, I like go to the grocery store. Everybody's really nice to me. Like because, you know, there's the other side of the Eric Reed stuff, which is he, he is a social activist and he and he's probably the most polarizing figure in the NFL right now in on a roster, except for maybe Antonio Brown, if you're in Pittsburgh. But um <laughs> That that I was a little bit worried that he was you know going to be going to get that old South feeling from Charlotte and that obviously has not happened and I think he has he has felt very comfortable here and I think that had a lot to do with him coming and and wanting to bring his family here into Charlotte I, I think that signing a guy like Eric Reed and what is around him the same thing that happened Colin you wrote about it when it first happened is that it signifies like a change in the guard from who the Carolina Panthers are like this would have Eric Reed would have never happened with obviously with Jerry at the helm, but even more so coming back and doubling down and and re-signing him to a three-year deal, I don't think would have ever happened. And I, I just think it kind of, it just pushes us further towards what it means now for the who the Carolina Panthers are as an organization. Under David Tepper. Yes. Specifically. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
Uh, the other thing, too, is that Thomas Davis is one of the primary guys that would run and hit somebody on defense. Yep. And this defense lacks guys that will do that, and Eric Reed fits that bill. There's somebody that will go over there and smack you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I think, you know, he does – I'm glad you brought up Mitchell. To me, Mitchell was that sort of guy. Um, what they – what they've lacked back there, other than the Super Bowl year when Kurt Coleman had a fantastic year and had, I don't know, like nine interceptions if you count the playoffs or something, is the guy who makes a bunch of picks. You need a safety because that's the spot that you have that chance to be. I mean, what they need from Eric Reed is not only, uh, yes, very aggressive, you know, good in the box or whatever. They need somebody to show up and, and have like six or seven interceptions next yeah. year because that that's you know that's showing you've got a good pass rush or whatever. He has not shown me that he can do that as of yet. If you look at his interception stats, I can't remember what they are, but he hasn't had a year like that. But that'd be great if he did. You know mm -hmm. that they that's the one place where they need and this team needs to generate some more turnovers, which Davis was also good at and Peppers was good at. You know up until like this past season, they've got to have some more. Uh, it's more of that quick change stuff. Especially yeah. in this league where you've got to concede yardage. You can't fight for every yard in the NFL That's anymore. Right. And so you, you you need those types of plays, and it sticks out even more. And that it's actually a, a really good point you, because you, you can pay these guys and go, I really like this guy, but if you pay all these guys and none of them turn the ball over, you're not going to like them collectively. Yeah, and I think that is something that where they – you can pay and, – and in this day and age, it's just like you said, this deal is a three-year deal, but if – if he's not here in 2020, I don't think anybody's going to be surprised. And I, I think that is the same thing with – you look at – they signed, they re-signed Manhurts, and everybody's like, oh, he gave Manhurts $2 million. It's a $300,000 signing bonus. His guaranteed money is less than a million. Like, the, the guy that's – for a third tight end, like, that's barely over league minimum. And maybe for a guy that you're going to need to play second tight end. Exactly. Which <laughs> it's your man crush, isn't it? Yeah, I'm I'm part of the man hurts hive. I'm not afraid to say. <laughs> you you just love him. I love it. I just I I just think that the guy the guy came from nothing. Like he had never played organized football before. Like that's cool to me. And now he's now he just signed a, a deal. Like things are happening for him. Good for him. Uh, Marty wishes you had a better way to describe him than that. <laughs> <laughs> he never played football before, and then uh, they got him a contract. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <yay>! <laughs> he has grown into a very serviceable third tight end. I How think. about a second tight end? Maybe okay. we'll see. We may see. <laughs> do you think that they would cut? Do you think so? I was looking at tight end today. If they cut. Greg Olson, post-June 1st, they saved $3.4 million for the 2019 salary cap. And I did not think that was going to be something that they would do. But then it's like, well, I mean. Well, it may not be their choice. You think because of the foot? The foot, the the future. I mean, this is a guy that is keeps making these dalliances. And I, I you know, I think back to when he came, he rushed back. And he said, he said, everybody's telling me I've got to rush back here. And I remember thinking, who? Who is saying this to you? Because those people were, are wrong unless maybe you're trying to rush back because you're, you're, this is it. I, I, I still think we're not done with Greg Olson. I don't I, – I, don't, I mean, I, in terms of this offseason, I, there's, there's, I think there's something left to happen. Do you think there's going to be more like football, like Monday night football and – all that kind of I'm not ruling kind of I'm not ruling it out. And so to me, I would be signing Manhurts too, is my point. That I, I don't know that they know. Uh maybe they do. Maybe maybe that maybe everything maybe this is just me being crazy, that's fine. But I, I think I would sign Manhurts too, because I don't think it's a guarantee 
that that you got all the tight ends coming back next year. I mean, he did have the most electrifying play uh, of the entire season last year, so I think we can all agree. You get the ball to Manhurts, exciting thing happens, right? As Josh talks with hearts and stars in his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he's not listening. <laughs> I hope he is. Uh, I'm, I'm going to send this to him. Yeah, please do. On Twitter. I assume he's on Twitter. TD leaving. This is one of those that's – it hurts. <laughs> yeah. It does. It does. What was your theory about – Uh-oh. Uh-oh. As I look at Colin over here, where yeah. do you think that he's landing next season? Um, I don't think he lands up in Atlanta. I think he lands up in the AFC. I think okay. maybe, maybe following a coach. That would be a don't little less painful than Don't you think he wants Atlanta. to play against Carolina next year? Uh, I think he'd rather play in a system with, with young players around him that will benefit him more than I, – I, I don't think I, I don't think Atlanta's system is, is right for him. I think that – I think I get the whole connection and everything else. I'm not sure that that's the right fit for them or for him. Scott, do you have – you've covered Thomas Davis for his entire career. Do you have any, like, cool Thomas Davis memories, tidbits, nuggets – TD? Yeah. Well, uh, that's why I'm a writer, so I have a delete key and (laughs) an hour to think about such things (laughs) when I'm generally asked such questions in my own mind. But uh, I have – I do remember, you know, when he was first drafted and that they made a big deal of him being a safety and and being the guy who was going to chase Michael Vick for them and everything. And I remember him telling me one time when when we were were doing some story – near around Christmas that on two different Christmases his parents weren't or his mother who was raised him uh that he didn't get anything for Christmas twice two different wow. years and uh, this was I think around one of those man of the year type honors that he had gotten and I mean I knew he had grown up poor I wasn't quite aware that he had grown up quite that poor so mm-hmm. Thomas Davis is one of those guys who really pulled himself up by the bootstraps and my goodness you know 14 years with the Panthers I'm sorry it couldn't end um, here and more cleanly but this is the way of the world and that was that writing was on the wall as soon as Thomas started making intimations that well I'm not done after all Mm -hmm. and the Panthers you know as, as loyal as they've both been to each other they were ready to move along and as I wrote I think that was the right thing for them yeah that it was time I'm not sure. I guess he'll he'll be in a he'll be in a camp somewhere. I don't know that he'll start anywhere next season. He might. When I hope do, he does, but I don't know that he will. When do you think the Panthers made that decision? I think a lot of people on the outside they just kind of assume, well, at the end of the season. I mean, I bet you by November or something. November? I bet yeah. you they knew. Yeah. You know, I mean, what, once they were in the midst of that 7th game losing streak and the defense looked so dang Slow and overmatched. And old. And old. old. Yeah. yeah. Many, for many years, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, many games, excuse me. But he had his moments, you know. He had he still played. He still had some really good moments. But this is the right thing to do, especially on a team that has Shaq Thompson. Yeah. Well, I look back to the, the Browns game. So, this team was fighting for their life. And Luke forces two fumbles, and TD's there to recover. Like yeah. the the old guard showed up one more time to try and say, "All right, let's try and yeah. let's try and limp in with our seven, eight, and one and an ice cream cone record." <laughs> but they didn't do it. But those I, two, those two did their deal that they day. Did their, they, they did, did their, their part. Deal. Yeah. Uh, this is only because we just haven't talked about it because it kind of happened. We knew we thought it was going to happen, but now I, it's just so like. 
Do you think he is making – I don't want to say tarnishing a legacy is too strong of a phrase, right? But, like, he could have he could have gone on – he could have gone out, you know, in January as, you know, the mayor of Charlotte and thanks for the memories and, you know, three ACLs and his arm that looks like a football. But now the lasting memory is going to be, like, Montana in a Chiefs uniform or Jerry Rice in a – Raiders uniform for the Jerry or Seahawks uniform. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think this is inevitable, and I think he. I think I don't think it's necessarily bad, but this is a guy that has because of the three ACLs has never he he never made like a seventy four million dollar contract. He never had one of those massive deals. So every year that he plays, that number matters. Like for Julius, like if Julius plays in twenty nineteen, you go, ah, yeah, oh yeah, that 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 three million. Yeah, you know, but I put a new aquarium in my house (laughs) in Miami, (laughs) but. But for for a guy like TD, like these checks still these these still matter. And I do th- they? How much money is it? Keep talking. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna say he's made less than twenty. No way. Totally. That can't be. No, true. he's probably made fifty at least. I would think. All right. Mm-hmm. But Hang Peppers on. has made 165 million. Yeah. And I do know that number. Cripes. That's a lot. Of money. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. 165. Most most money any defensive player has ever like made. like a million a sack. <laughs> yeah, pretty much exactly. That's right. A million a sack. For a while, he was making a million a game. I remember. Mm-hmm. Remember during the Panthers when they franchised him that one wow. year? A million a game. Yep. But TD, I don't know. He's he's made. Gosh, in the last few years, surely he's made five or six million like every year. I yeah, think. I mean, he had a he had a ten million dollar year there for a minute. Did um, he? Yeah, maybe I've sold him. Short. And he still got paid on those years where he got hurt. I mean, it's just like you're yeah. right. He never got the. Oh, Colin! You know, career uh-oh. earnings for Thomas Davis are sixty million dollars, two hundred ninety-six thousand okay. and four hundred nineteen. Now, do not sell him short on that four hundred nineteen because he's <laughs> no. going to want that's that's every. I just thought he, I was thinking he'd been more in the in the in the three to five range over the last several years. But anyways, um, I, I I don't think he's done. I don't think this year with the way that this year started, it really would have been hard to retire as the mayor with a seven game. Losing streak and a uh, PED suspension at the beginning of the year. Yeah, that's 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 not really how you write up the final chapter. That's fair. That's fair. So with TD leaving, Peppers retiring, how different is this defense going to look? I think it's going to look. I think it's going to be. It's like the changing of the guard, right? Slowly but surely. Like you still have the older guys. Like Luke is still going to be there. But that's pretty much. I mean, if you're looking at the the Panthers defense, it's Luke. KK. KK. Mario Addison. Yeah, yeah. More or less. I mean. Yeah, I mean, but but that's that's it. I mean, you're you're for me if I'm looking at it from the outside looking in and I'm not a Panthers fan, Luke is the only name I recognize on the defense and it used to be at least you kind of recognize Thomas Davis, Peppers, you'd be like, "Well, Peppers has he been there the whole time? I don't know, you know." I'm, <laughs> and, and so it's like it, it is. It's now it's these younger guys that are going to have to start getting Getting their name recognitions, whether it's Dante Jackson, whether it whether it is uh, Shaq Thompson, whether it's James Bradbury, these guys are going to have to start making that step up. Just like Christian McCaffrey has replaced Cam Newton as the face of the Panthers. How do you like that? <laughs> it's you're not wrong. Who was in that you're NFL 100 commercial? Yeah, it, it is. Who's in all those comic strips that they make now with the like? It's. I'm telling you, Cam is for the first time I think in a long time he's old news, and I think that I think that may be good for us. I think that may be good for us. Mm. But you, 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 2015, 
He has the press conference, and and that's it. Like that, from a national standpoint, that's it. Since then, what has the what has the nation paid attention to Cam doing? Which press conference are we talking about? That's the, the, Super the Bowl. sulky one after the Super Bowl. Yeah, like th- that was to him on a national stage. Since then, Patrick Mahomes has come along. Different guys have come along. There's ar- there's already new next big things. There's already big. Th- he is for the first time old news, and it's going to be interesting to see how how he handles this because. Uh, you know, he was obviously focused on his shoulder. I'm, I'm, I want to be as bullish as I can be coming out of this shoulder situation. And I appreciate their honesty and all this. I'm, I'm excited to see how Cam handles not being in the spotlight. Uh, I think the, I mean, I'm still just. I know we talked about it ad nauseum in December and November and October. I'm, I'm, I'm still nervous about the shoulder, and I get it. Like, oh, it's cartilage, and they cleaned it out. No, it looks great. I, oh, I'm uh, reserving the yeah, right I to mean, jump off a building. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, it's in order for me mentally to get through these next several months, where the only thing I can do is hope and pray and trust that Cam <laughs> is doing everything that he needs to do to get back in shape. Uh, during that time, I'm just going to choose to believe he is doing those things. I think Cam's got one more career sharp left turn in him. I, I do. I, I think it's – he's just – you know, we've we've grown somewhat blasé to his um, to how good he is when he is right and when he is good. And you got to think that when he was right early in the season. I mean, I wrote columns. There was stuff. You know, there was lots of national talks about. You know, well, Cam in the in the MVP hunt right now. Oh, he's about number five. Or yeah, number dark six. horse I mean, MVP. Like yeah, six I mean, he was having season. some enormous yeah. games. So he. I was right he's, about the time I wrote that they were uh, going to take off with the offense, I think. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that I still think he's got a chance to do it. And, he's, you know, I really like D.J. Moore. So, I, I think they're gonna be, there's going to be a, a guy Cam's going to have a lot of fun with. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they did – over the po- course of the past year, they have surrounded Cam Newton with the most talent he's ever had around him. And if he can get back to – he doesn't even have to be 15 cam. He doesn't have to be – I mean, he could be 11 cam. 11-yard cam? Yeah, that's right. If he throw that yards, one. that would help. <laughs> but, like, if he could be a, a shell of 2015 cam, yeah. I think that would be enough. He's got to be able to throw deep. He's got to be able, everything else has got to be able to throw deep. That's right. And How and deep? Like – More than 11 yards. Okay. No, I, I mean – you get you get guys like Samuel, you get guys like Moore for the purpose of being able to make plays down the field. Because guess what? When you do that, it's going to open up even more for Christian McCaffrey underneath because now the entire defense isn't playing within 12 yards of the line of scrimmage. And teams legitimately were towards the end of the season. Oh, yeah. And, mm-hmm. yeah, they were really – so much coverage on man hurts, they couldn't get open. <laughs> and it's ridiculous. Like, the guys – He's <laughs> ready for more. Ready for more targets. It's crazy. Is he your Valentine? No, nah, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> this it is Valentine's Day week, so we'll see. Hearts. Yep. Hearts. Just nothing. Just nothing but hearts. Colin, you want to say anything else about Cam? <laughs> I know how much you love to talk about this. Well, you know, I mean, I, I'm. I really am trying to be bullish about. It. I, I appreciate the fact that they are coming out and talking about it, and not just assuming that we're just going to sit by and. Okay, I guess he's okay. I, I, I think he's got one, and I think it, I think maybe it sinks in. Like he had to watch those playoffs and go, man, they love Patrick Mahomes the way they used to love me, and it's not the same anymore. And I, I'm, 
I'm excited because I feel like this is a test for a young man that has been so much in the spotlight. And I think I, I, I think he's going to come back. I think he's going to show the guy the MVP again. This guy, you know, like Scott said, he got taken for granted. And basically people haven't paid attention to him outside of Charlotte or outside of Carolina for the last couple of years. I mean, it was like week 12, week 13, and national heads are like, well, let's see if he's actually injured or if this is just an excuse for his poor play. And it's like he can't throw the ball. What are you talking about? So – this will be – this is a big year for him This is because I do think you get he gets one shot at this, and if that arm doesn't look right, that organization is going to say, we got, even if quietly, we've got to start we got to start figuring out what's next. Well, his contract's up in 2021, so, or 2000, after 2020. So now this is the year when people – when if he's a franchise quarterback, when you kind of start saying to his agent, hey, man, like let's, let's start – Chat, chitter chatter and about what your next contract looks like and they are not doing that right now they are waiting to see what happens with his shoulder and um i mean that that's gotta hurt i mean a guy that's as prideful as he is he's he's not gonna be happy so i i, I kind of agree with you i think if he could do it on personality and flex alone i think he would but i think it's gonna take some physical uh some some physical things that he may not have. I mean, let's hope so. Although if he's going to be taking us inside his surgery and inside his personal life on this vlog that he's putting out, I'm all in for that. Cause that, oh, you're I mean, sticking with vlog. Cause he called it a vlog. So you're going with it too. That's what it is. It's a video blog. Yeah. Vlog is not a term that was exactly hot on the streets. I don't think <laughs> until Cam brought it back. Uh, he said vlog. And I said, wait, wait, what did you just call it? What did you just say this thing was? <laughs> If he's going to do a documentary series about himself, then with – I mean, when was the last time you got to see – that you saw a NFL quarterback, like, going under anesthesia and, like, going under and seeing the freaking doctor in there, Dr. Pat Connor, explaining what was happening with his shoulder. Like, that kind of stuff did they do this? Happen. Did they do it after he was under anesthesia again? Because he said he didn't really know the first time. Did they explain him the <laughs> yeah. surgery after they put him under anesthesia again? He also said they had this brand-new surgery where they could go in with a camera and look in your shoulder, and it's like, I don't think that's brand-new. But, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm not I'm, – I, again, I am no doctor, so. Thank you, Dr. Klein. Yep. All right, we're going to go through this real quick. We're going to talk about the needs and where to fill them free agency or draft so let's start qb2 backup quarterback well the, first of all they already got one great one on the roster i think we can all agree kyle allen is the future of this franchise uh i i think you go you go out and you sign tyrod taylor that's my guy <gasps> yeah give me tyrod how much is tyrod gonna cost you because i don't mind that i don't mind that i'm just wondering is he six million a year is that too much it feels steep for a backup feels, it feels a lot <laughs> I mean, if you're, if you're starting safety, he's getting seven. But I, I, I'm with you. I want, a, I want a veteran that's done it back there because we don't know with Cam's shoulder this year. And I do think this op- – I think this offense was talented enough this year minus the quarterback to make the playoffs. I think this offense with pretty much any other quarterback would have looked better than they did the second half with Cam. But they wouldn't have gone very far because no. that defense was just – I mean, they might have made the playoffs and lost first round, I guess. But, but, yeah, you, to your point, I mean, they didn't Cam no favors playing him in those last couple of games. No. That was, I no. know he wanted to play. He always wants to play. But that was not yeah. – that wasn't, that wasn't that, right. That interception he threw against the Saints, 
where I mean, there have been plenty of bad cam interceptions. People get frustrated by cameras. That one looked sad. Like that, you could never say that a cam interception looked sad, and that one looked sad as he tried to get it to the end zone. Yeah, the one where yeah, but usually you're just used to him throwing off his lucky foot, his back foot, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> And you're just like, oh, like it, when he throws it, you're just like, like come on, not again. Cam. 90 like, miles ninety miles an hour to the cornerback directly, like, ah. Yeah, those yeah, are the ones you're used to. But the ones where you're like, oh, no, like, oh. Oh, oh, no. oh baby, no. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't like that. Well, what about backup running back? Well, C.J. Anderson's probably going to be available. I would like to see more versatility out of this running back because, again, you've got this great weapon. And Christian McCaffrey, supplement that. Find me a bowling ball. Find me, you know, d- find those different guys that are going to supplement him. Um, you can do that in the draft. You can do that in free agency. But they, I, I would definitely do it, especially um, with the percentage of snaps that he played. And if you're going to play more wide receiver, you want to have somebody competent that you can put back there um, and leave him out there at wide receiver on player two. It makes things up. I mean, look at this. Look at what the Patriots did in the Super Bowl, where they came out with with a goal line or you know the jumbo package, and then spread people out. Mm-hmm. They spread the Rams out, and that's how they got their big plays. The Panthers could do similar types of things, um, accentuating McCaffrey and um, other running backs. So I would like I would like to see them spend time on this one. You just want a fat running back, like you. That's <laughs> all you want is a fat running back. It's not all I want. I want an athletic rebounder for the Hornets, too, but, you know. <laughs> I think Frank Kaminsky fits that bill. So I'm just gonna you don't watch much basketball, do you? No, I don't, but I do like to go to the games and yell Big Frank and yell stuff like, why is Frank not in the game? We want Frank. We It does that I chant. Used to do does that with, not I used to do that with Eduardo Nahara. Tell him to just, just tell him, check, check yourself in. Coach isn't paying attention. I assume you're the only person yelling, we want Frank at these games. Uh, I am. <laughs> I am. He's down at a uh, hot taco having, no, uh, there's a, there's a bar right there at South end where he always is, where every time I've ever been there, he is there. Frank really? Kaminsky is there. Yeah. Huh. Just eating a salad or, you know, keeping Just himself hanging in, out. Yeah. Game okay. shape. <laughs> Talking to the chicas. I, I went to shape. yeah you know I was at a Hornets game the other day and he didn't play as as has become normal but then he came into the, I was in the post game locker room he came in he was all sweating and he was really obviously tired and they had put him through some like workout and yeah. he was almost like yeah like I mean it was not a not a little workout like somebody had done something with Frank. Either during the game, uh, I guess, or right after the game, or whatever. He came in drenched with sweat, which was – I'm not sure I've seen that I very often did, before. They made him walk there. I was <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, he doesn't get to do his little rascal scooter from the bench to the <laughs> locker room every time. I always, I was always enthused by the Panthers after the game, the guys that are inactive, like coming out of the shower after the game. And it's like, <laughs> did you need to shower up after that? Like – we got we got an award winning <laughs> journalist here, from the Shaw Observer, and it's just an institution in the city of Charlotte that's been here to cover the Panthers <laughs> for years. And Josh says, "You know what I want to talk about? Let's let's shower talk." Hey, <laughs> first of all, Nikki, get control of this. <laughs> Nikki can barely contain herself because I said coming out of the shower. It's fine. I don't mean specifically looking at the dudes coming out of the shower. I'm saying the idea of taking a shower after being inactive. 
you. Come on, Nikki. <laughs> it's like going to the gym. She looked and over at me and just needed help. She just, yeah. she just, just needed help. Oh no, I know. <laughs> We're very professional on this show. <laughs> Scott, thank you for being here. <laughs> I'm starting to realize it's a real mistake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you thought the creamer was the big mistake. <laughs> oh no, no, we don't know. Let's not take people behind the curtain that much. <laughs> oh, okay. Next. <laughs> Wide oh, receiver man. depth. Keep it together. I've got it. Do we? They, they don't even need any wide receiver depth. No. Just keep Torrey Smith on the roster, or draft a guy in the seventh round and bring back Demir Bird if you want. We're well, fine. Get an undrafted free agent. This 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 wide receiving core has the talent that they need to make to make plays. You can supplement it, sure, but I would not be investing or looking to invest in this. Scott, I'd be interested to get your take because you actually covered Steve Smith. Steve Smith says that DJ Moore is the next Steve Smith. You like DJ Moore. Do you think that he is? That I mean, don't you don't have to put that kind of eighty nine juju on him, but like, do you think he's that good? I don't know that. I mean, that's probably the best player the Panthers have ever had, you mm-hmm. know. So no, I, I guess it, the short answer, if I'd have to guess, I would say no, just because it's hard to say anyone's going to be as good as. And I do think Smith's the best. If you talk about purely Panthers career, Peppers will probably get into the Hall of Fame quicker, but Steve is, uh, you know. He was just extraordinary for so many years. But I do think D.J. Moore has a chance to be in the top three or four receivers they've ever had, and that's really, you know, that's good. I really think he's got a chance to be a legitimate number one receiver as long as, you know, he can hold on to the ball. That's been a little bit of an issue occasionally. But, um, gosh, he's strong. And, he's, yeah. a, he's you know, I think he fits really well in, in this. You know, I wish they'd get him the ball a little bit more on some of those – flanker screens and stuff that they used to love to throw to Steve. They would throw that two or three times a game. I'm not sure why that doesn't come up more mm-hmm. with DJ Moore, you know. Uh, it, You know, they'll give it to Samuel on a reverse and stuff, and that makes sense, but I wish DJ Moore would get the ball I, I really wonder a little bit more. Year, I really wonder if this year is just about Cam's shoulder. Maybe so. That is kind of a hard I, pass to throw because you're I, flinging yeah. it out there quick. Yeah, and I think get picked rope. off immediately oh, yeah. if, if you had, if you had yeah, Cam Yeah, that's a good there. point. Yeah. You mentioned you mentioned Smitty is the greatest Panther of all time, and I and I wholeheartedly agree with this. I mean, you know, Josh and I have tried to figure out how do you, how do you say this because, as you said, Peppers probably just goes into the Hall of Fame ahead of Smitty, mm-hmm. um, probably be regarded as the more transcendent talent. But there is no doubt in my mind. I've been watching Panther watching Panther games that Steve Smith is the the best Panther ever, and. And for a guy that showed up and did it in playoff time. In sports, we love guys that show up in playoff time. And Smitty did that in a Panthers uniform far more often than Julius did. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I mean, probably the best game of his career was maybe the best two or three games of his career were in the playoffs. Uh, Yeah, he was fantastic. And, uh, and, you know, I agree with that. And that's also one reason why I rate Jake so highly as a Panther uh, people said, well, he committed six turnovers against Arizona in one game, which he did. But mm-hmm. he also won five playoff games, which is way more playoff games than Cam has won, with really not be- not, not any better of a supporting cast. Actually, it's not way more anymore, is it? Because Cam won, Cam's won, what, three playoff games now, something like that, three or four? Jake, I think four, yeah. Jake at one point was five and two. I think he ended up like five and three. But any in any case, he was a big-time uh, playoff player, and you're right. That's a that's a big part of it, I think. It is interesting because everybody always says like, "Oh, well, Cam doesn't have it. He has a terrible sporting cast." But Jake didn't have a good. I mean, I get. I mean, 
Jake had Steve. Yeah. And then a lot of times the second guy was pretty forgettable. And the running backs, you know, I mean, yeah, okay, D'Angelo Williams was, yeah, he was a sure. good player. Deshaun Foster. Foster was a good player. But, I mean, it's not like he had uh, Ezekiel Elliott back there or mm-hmm. something, you know. Or, I mean, you could name I – mean, he didn't have Christian McCaffrey back there. No, it's true. He did have Wesley Walls, though. Can't argue He did that. have a good – yeah, he had Wesley. Yeah. And I mean, you had you had Stephen Moose early on, which were obviously the, yeah, the, Moose, the big one. Right. And that and that that 2003 right. team is probably one of the best, most well-rounded offensive teams because you had Smitty. Granted, young Smitty, so it's not yeah. he's not the polished receiver. You had Moose, um, Ricky you had Prohl. Ricky Prohl, and then you had Stephen Davis and Deshaun Foster. Like that's right. That was yeah, their that's best. A, that's that was, that was yeah. their best offense that they had when Jake was here. That's right. But what they did was they kind of they they built to that. Well, I guess they didn't build to that point. Never mind. Well, I'm but even that team was based now. on the defense. So, like, even, even then it was defensive first. Wasn't true. Um, and it was a defensive first. People thought of the defense as the, as the more dominant unit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, one more before we move on. O-line. I think they're going to draft a tackle with their first pick. Or, uh, well, okay, let me rephrase that. I don't know whether it's going to be a tackle, but I do think it's going to be an offensive lineman. And I think they're going to pick him in the first round, and I think it's all going to depend whether Daryl Williams is wearing number 60 in black and blue by the time the draft rolls around, whether, where that offensive lineman is going to come from. Because I think if you'd have talked to me two months ago, I would have said, for sure, Daryl Williams is going to play right, Taylor Moten is going to play left. That's that's what I think is going to happen. And now I'm just kind of like, I don't really, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. If I, I would have bet on defense today. If you said pick pick which side of the ball that first round pick is going to be, I'd bet on defense. Hmm. But, That's fair. But then you know the board falls the way it may. Um, so you, I mean, we could either be right and both be wrong. Somebody said, friend of the podcast, Jeremy Igo, said on Twitter that the Panthers could literally draft anybody except for a running back, and it would be a position of need. Like they could go best player available at every pick, and just as long as it's not a running back, they wouldn't really go wrong. And it's like. Kind of true. I mean, yeah. they kind of have needs all over the place, except for a tight end, of course. But we'll see. If, I mean, the biggest offensive line that I think they're going to look to to solve in the draft is going to be the center position. I think that would be the one that I would look for them to pick somebody. They may feel like they can, you know, make it work on on the edges, but I think they want to pick somebody that's going to run this offensive line going forward. It's tough, man. Offensive line's not easy to find. Like you may think that you're signing a cornerstone guy, and then. One high ankle sprain later, and you're yeah. shit out of luck. Excuse you're my right. French. You're back to the Van Rotens and, mm-hmm. you know, just trying to. Trying to get by. And that happens to half the offensive lines in the NFL every year. Yep. Right. right? And if it doesn't happen to your team, then you've got a shot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's so much injury driven. And you look at what happened last year. They had Khalil, Williams, Searles. And another tackle that I can't even remember all got hurt in the in training camp. So it's like, well, how much depth can you have when your top four guys go out? Like that's that's hard to prepare for. Well, and that's the di- that's the distinction. I look at the Patriots versus other teams is that they value that depth over uh, over anything else, over anything else because that, like you said, it's going to happen to half the lines every year. They lost their number one or their. Their second number one pick or is their second round pick? Isaiah Wynn. The, yeah. Um, their first round pick. Yeah. So, yeah, because Sony was a second rounder, right? Mm-hmm. So, anyway, so they lost their first round pick tackle this year 
again, before I think even training camp really got heated up, he was done. The, what they appreciate about depth, it, other people appreciate about individual talents. Uh, other teams seem to, seem to prioritize that. Um, so I, I just, you're going to need as many bodies as you can. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Throw some warm bodies at it. And if they went to Princeton, then all the better. Smart. Yep. Smart. Let's talk about Scott's Caruth. This podcast series is just unbelievable. Um, I listened to the whole thing driving to and from my mom's house at Christmas. So thank you for giving me something to listen to while I was driving. Happy to do it. I mean, it's just a, it's just so well done. You've covered this story your entire career. You've covered the entire story from beginning to end. First of all, how did you even get to the point to make this podcast series? How did this come up? Well, um, I had done several long stories on the you know the people that Ray Carruth left behind uh, with this conspiracy to commit murder. That would be Sandra Adams and Chancellor Lee Adams, who's the uh, the disabled son. Uh, and Sharique Adams, of course, was Ray's pregnant girlfriend when she was murdered in 1999, long time ago. That was, you see, how old were you in 1999? I was graduating from South Mech in Okay, yeah. Myers so, Park? Hmm? South Mech. So, Carruth, you know, we were talking about Carruth as a draft pick in 1997. That's how long ago that was. And I remember seeing him in the locker room way back in those times. Uh, he was very much the kind of player who did not want to talk to the media too often, was distrusting of the media. And um, so, not surprisingly, for the many, uh, the podcast Carruth, I never did get him. Um, and we decided we were going to do it without that because myself and our photographer slash videographer Jeff Siner, who I think y'all y'all know, was here also that whole time and actually shot Caruth in the courtroom, shot the whole trial, and we had we knew Sandra Adams as a voice would be very powerful in a podcast. She would be very good on you know any this podcast any podcast because she's just so compelling as a speaker. I mean she is. She she could have her own church, you know. She's got that kind of voice, just the range and the storytelling and all that. And every time I did a story with her, I thought, wow, I wish more people could hear this. Not just read it in print, but hear it. So it was really probably Sandra, as much as anything. Once she decided she would do it, that was a big step. And so then we just started trying to track down every interview we could uh, as Ray Cruz's prison release grew closer, which was October 22nd. And so over a course of close to a year, we did that. And then we had a, a fantastic podcast producer. We didn't do any of that. What you're doing right there, Josh, we don't know how to do. So we I had somebody <laughs> who really, really knows how to do it. And uh, he was in Washington. And so I didn't even meet him but once. But we, you know, communicated all the time. And so uh, we would send him the interviews and he'd cut them up and we'd go back and and so, anyway, that was it. You know, we did that for the first seven parts. And then after Ray was released, I never could get him in prison, but I showed up, at, I found out where he lived and showed up at his door in Pennsylvania. So, finally, after all that, that was a little bit full circle for me and that I was able to sit with him around a table kind of like this and, and talk. And, and since then, we've stayed in, you know, occasional communication. So, it has been, uh, yeah, it was, it's really been a story of a lifetime for me. Um, just because of the – it uncovers so many human emotions, and it's, uh, you know, it's it's an awful story. But I try to tell people it's not just a true crime story. It is hopefully an inspirational story that they have these people 
Sandra and Chancellor Lee have gone on and have made something of their lives and that there's some joy in it as well. When we you go ahead. <laughs> when you look back at all of this kind of overall, what are those those moments and memories covering all this that really stand out to you? Well, um, you know, when I first heard about it, the shooting itself, I mean, I, that was uh, that was that rocked all of Charlotte. Everyone who was here remembers that and those those just surreal months afterwards being in the Panthers locker room while the trial was going on and the players clustering around the TV watching it. I mean, that was the kind of thing. It's almost hard to imagine nowadays that that happened. But then in the last um, year or so, probably of the moments that, that really stand out to me making the podcast and, and the series, the print series, um, seeing the hitman in jail, I uh, went to Raleigh and spent more than three hours with Van Brett Watkins, and that was a very surreal three and a half hours. We were separated by bulletproof glass, and many times I was very happy we were separated by that glass. All, all that said, I believed most of what he said. I thought he was telling me the truth. Um, both interviews, we did a couple of long interviews with Sandra Adams, probably both of those. Uh, seeing David Rudolph, who you know, has since become a star of Netflix, if you've watched that. Um, what's that thing called? It's the Staircase. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, David Rudolph was Caruth's lawyer. That interview, and then showing up at Ray's door in Pennsylvania. Probably those, those are the, the, the things that I probably remember the most about it. What did you like? Fast forward just a little bit here to this past year. We saw them. Um, we saw Chancellor Lee. We saw Chandra Adams. Welcome back into the Panther family. I, 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 yeah. is, I don't know. I don't know if that's the right term in this sense. Right. Sense, but welcome back. Um, it, what did that mean? What, what do you think that meant to them? Like, was it closure for them as well, or is it? Uh, I think so. I, I think it was symbolically important to them that David Tepper would come over to them on the sidelines and, and talk to them and Khalil, Ryan Khalil and some others, and, and just that they were invited onto the sidelines. You know, I, I don't believe that this was what Sandra and Chancellor Lee were living for by any stretch. Oh, really? You know, they did fine, just fine being dissociated with the Panthers for all those years. I still maintain that they should get to bang the keep pounding drum. I think that would, that would be another great symbolic end to, to all of this. But in any case – um, I think it was important to them. It was not the most important thing or anything in the world, but it was, it was nice. I guess it was just, it was a great day. And it was one of the last games the Panthers won too. I think it was the, it was, a was the game. Baltimore game. Mm-hmm. The time that, yeah, when the Panthers were scoring left and right and they showed them on the video screen. And I know Chancellor, it, it you know, it meant a lot to him. He got, he brought home a football out of it and all that. So. So yeah, it was cool. That was a really that was a cool day. Uh, not to not to just keep peppering you with questions, but when you say gathering around the screen in the locker room, was that that sounds like a specific thing that that you remember happening? Like that that seems yes. so surreal. That's right. Um, you know the the courtroom where the Caruth trial was going on in two thousand and two thousand one was about a mile a mile from the stadium. You know it's still there, and you could walk back and forth which I did a few times 
But the – so the players had in that room that's kind of auxiliary side room that right when you walk in on the left, that room, that had a big TV in it. I'm not sure if it does now. It's got a bunch of extra lockers in there. Maybe it still does have a TV. But anyway, that TV was often tuned to court TV. And sometimes it was tuned to court TV and no one was watching it and the sound was down. And, you know, people – it was, you know, a boring day where they had some, you know – whatever criminal psychologist on there but when van brett watkins was on the stand that was the day i remember the most and there were players in there absolutely hooping and hollering because watkins kept having all these these back and forth it looked like a movie back and forth with rudolph the the lawyer um you know rudolph says i'm done your honor and van brett watkins go you got that right you know there was a lot of that sort of interplay and so the players i just remember more and more going in there and watching that. And this was during our open locker room period. And I remember watching the players watch their teammate, who never went on the stand, by the way, but they would show him often, you know, watch their teammate go on trial for murder. It was absolutely bizarre. Yeah, but bizarre, surreal. I mean, like, the fact that this kind of stuff, and I, I feel like we're we're in an age now where we're a little bit more – I don't want to say like numb to this kind of stuff, but like it feels like once every few months there's some sort of horrible story That's about right. a professional athlete. That's right. But the videotapes, uh, Kareem Hunt, mm-hmm. and uh, yes, you know Ray Rice and so many others. But that and this kind of was stuff new. didn't happen. This was, you know, he was the first active NFL player on trial for murder. So it was really Charlotte's version of the OJ case. Mm-hmm. Um, telecast live on court TV back when that was unusual. You know, no Twitter. So there was a kind of a lack of immediacy on it. And so evening news and all these things were, you know, important. And and the newspapers, I mean, we just struggled every day, you know, with what, what, what we should leave in, what we should leave out. I mean, the story was unfolding in real time. And it was this, just this horrible story of this young woman in the prime of her life uh, being gunned down in Charlotte on Ray Road, another one of the many ironies of it, the road was called Ray Road. Mm-hmm. But, and, you know, but that was the beginning and that was the awful part. But then it has it has changed to me. It, the story has changed some. And hopefully if people listen to the podcast, uh, they will understand that it's not just, I'm not glorifying the crime, I'm trying not to. We're trying very much to, to glorify the people who came out on the other side of the crime. Mm-hmm. I think it's so interesting that you talk about like the the journalism to do stuff like that because you know at heart you are you're a sport you're a sports columnist. I mean, you don't want to paint yourself just in that box, but then you're dealing with all of this you know news essentially, and then it's like, do you do do you try to investigate what's going? You know, like that that kind of stuff is so interesting to me, and what it was like on a day to day basis for you trying to cover this. Um, back then yeah we it was way different at the charlotte observer back then we had i think three metro columnists if you can imagine we have zero metro columnists now i mean we have editorial page columnists but we had three people so i was really not in the courtroom that often i would go some for my own edification i guess you'd say i didn't always write um because we had so many more people we had, you know, these three Metro columnists basically scuffling to get in there every single day. Then we had a couple of people assigned to it pretty much full-time. Then we had myself. I was by then a sports co- – I was a beat writer at the beginning and a sports columnist at some point in the middle of this. 
you know, we had two or three people in the Panthers locker room. And, you know, I will say, I still remember back in those days, the guy who was super, the real stand-up guy in the Panthers locker room was Steve Bergwine. Hmm. He ended up having to be the guy who had to talk about it all the time. Mike Minner, to a lesser extent as well, was really good. But Burline, I just remember over and over, something new would happen. Carruth would get caught in the trunk of a Camry, and people would – Burline would be the one who would talk about it. Most people, most of them, most of the players would just go, I'm not dealing with that. Yeah. And I can kind of get that. No, of course. <laughs> there was a lot – there was a big downside if you said the wrong thing. But Burline would talk about it. And Seifert, you know, Seifert was the coach then, and he, he – of course, it was a brand-new situation for everybody. Never has really happened uh, – you know, to the Panthers before or since. There have been other teams that have been struck by terrible tragedies, of course. And nowadays it would be so different. Mm-hmm. There would be so much more video. There would be so much more, you know, it would be, it'd be unfolding in real time on Twitter every day. What did you, not them. How was the, the team involved at this, at, at this juncture? Because now you, you mentioned the, the, everybody wants to control the narrative, control the – did the Panthers just pull back kind of – Back in the time yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, over because yeah. obviously there's negative coverage that's associated with them that they can't really do anything about, but neither can you because it's obviously the story. Right. They, um, yes. So you know, as soon as Caruth was caught in the trunk, for those who don't remember Ray Caruth, left in the trunk. Kings of comedy, right? Yeah, Kings of comedy. <laughs> yeah. Steve Harvey does a great routine on it. Um, but yeah, so that was about a month. That was when Sharik Adams died in the hospital. He he left. Got caught in Tennessee, 500 miles away, in the trunk by an FBI agent who we went to go talk to in Tennessee. But in any case, the Panthers that day dissociated themselves from – they kind of found their out. They said, oh, well, that's a contractual violation. He's, you know, he broke federal laws here at the least by running off. So he had already been put on suspension in in a way sort of similar to what happened to Greg Hardy, a little bit like he was – Except with Caruth, I don't think he was getting paid. And I think Hardy was, I believe. Mm -hmm. But in any case, so then they just, at that point, they were sort of like, we are out of this. And nobody else ever said anything ever. Really, even I think when the verdict came down. I I know we repeatedly asked for comments and there was just nothing. And so I think that was Jerry Richardson and, you know, their other kind of board members more or less saying we're this we have no we have a no-win situation here we're going to stick stay away dave tepper i think would have handled it differently i believe but who knows that's a that's you know it's a long time ago and so they basically stayed out of the fray for 18 19 years and i thought that was wrong you know i thought that they should at least after it was all over and caruth was in prison for 19 years reached out to the family and said you know you want to come to a game or something we're more than we know that's the least literally the least we can do here but um but they really they didn't do that they really didn't and so it took really a Panthers fan a good Samaritan named Jason Underwood to kind of make this happen it wasn't like the Panthers invited them out of the blue it was Jason Underwood pushing this to Riley Fields the community relations guy who said oh yeah that sounds like a good idea let's do that and then the Panthers, you know, they did embrace the idea um, in October. But, yeah, it's, it's taken more twists and turns than, than any story ought to take. We talked about, you know, everyone from the riot kind of gave, like, one of their highlights from last season to talk about it. And that was what I said for mine because it was just such a powerful moment 
to have them at the game, to see them at the game. And it was kind of that moment when you really did think about how things have changed for this team and everything because it, it never would have happened before. And That's it's, right. it's just kind of crazy to even think about that way. It does make you remember, you know, after I did the story, because um, it really did consume about a year of my life and um, more than that, really. But I, the ba- the last year was, I mean, I was at games and I was at training camps, uh, you know, occasionally, but I was kind of a shell of myself. I was doing, putting 90% of my work probably into Carruth. And um, it made me kind of afterwards st- – <laughs> Start not really not caring at all about who won or lost games. I was just sort of like I just had a hard time like going, oh, it's so incredibly important who the the third string quarterback is for X team or whatever. You know, it was <laughs> this sort of story will make you kind of think twice about about that sort of thing. So I appreciate what you're saying because it, it's made me feel that way too. That I thought that was really symbolically important. I thought it was one of the best things the Panthers did all year. You know better than winning the game that day or better than this or that. I thought just that sort of thing made me feel better about them as a franchise, you know, that we can all be proud of in this community. Yeah, I think it's so interesting that, like, we look at – we can get so caught up. I mean, we talked about for the first – we talked for 45 minutes. We talked about, well, well, what are they going to do if Greg Van Roten gets hurt and, you know, like this kind of stuff. That's natural. No, of course. But, uh, but, like, sometimes these stories and football and sports can have these these stories that are bigger than the game itself. And and obviously sometimes it's in a positive way and then sometimes it's in a negative way and sometimes it can be a a little bit a mix of both. Um, I, I just think that it's um, that that I was really I I not to not to blow up your head too much, but you know I I listened to Caruth and I thought it was absolutely fantastic. You know it's a moving story, it's well done, it's it's terrific, and and uh, congratulations on a on a terrific job. This podcast is not as good. I just want that <laughs> so if you oh are, don't say that yeah, and I, and now I have kind of gotten back to where I really do care who the Panthers draft and stuff. But it took me a while, you know. It really was. It, it you know we we probably all should remember, and this podcast is is a great part of it. But we all live in a bubble, right? A great bubble, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we're, we're for one thing, we live in America. I mean, do you know? I read a stat one time to get off the subject a little bit. You know, when people talk about the ninety nine percenters and the one percent, do you know how much money you have to make to be part of the one percent worldwide? worldwide not in america thirty four thousand dollars okay i'm almost there <laughs> <laughs> so there's Moving something on. to shoot yep. for we've talked a, uh, a little bit about how things are different then and there um and and now with the new owner i'm curious with the end of you know this is this was the, the farewell to jerry richardson how do, how do you look back as a guy that covered him for as long as you did um how do you look back at, at his time as the owner well um you know, I think it's one of those relationship things where it's 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 complicated. That, sure. Uh, I owe him a debt in that if he had never brought the team, I would have never had this job. I moved from Miami to Charlotte to take a job covering the Panthers, and that wouldn't job wouldn't have existed. Uh, he was, you know, I think he did a lot of really great things in the community. All that said. Um, you know, I really didn't like the way he handled the media or didn't handle the media. And then, more importantly than any of that, I mean, he got caught up in Me Too as as badly as, 
you know, a whole lot as, 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 as just about as badly as you can get caught up in it. Right. I mean, he lost his team. Um, you know, I think he's a, he's an, so all that, um, I would say, you know, it's a very, it's a, it's a very complicated legacy. It was definitely tarnished by what's happened in the past year. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's interesting that we uh, – one of the things that we kind of have mentioned a little bit is that, you know, you look at the stuff that we're now a little bit numb to where it's like Kareem Hunt and Ray Rice and this kind of stuff. And do you think that it's it's more of football players being – more prone to having that kind of violent streak or do you think it's it's kind of just like the percentage of uh, almost look at it as like the percentage of society just reflected in however many 1400 there are 1400 guys in the nfl and two of them are bad it's kind of the same percentages across the the united states i i I don't know but i do think that it's it's part of that is just there are way more cameras everywhere Hmm. you know i think things I'm sure happened in the fifties and sixties and seventies and hotel cameras weren't at every corner and you know, there's CCTV and you know, so many places people, not everyone walked around with a video, you know, a smartphone in their pocket either. Um, I do think that, you know, having been around this game for even, I covered the dolphins as a beat writer. I mean, for 30 years now, um, I think the majority of people in an NFL locker room are good, and I think you guys would agree with me. And, and I think the majority, same thing in the NBA. But there are bad apples in every profession, including journalism. And, you know, the quicker they can be taken out of the mix, the better. So I don't really feel sorry for the the Ray Rices of the world that, you know, don't get another job. I'm very surprised Kareem Hunt got one as quickly as he did. Yeah, yeah. What do you, uh, I look back and we, you know, I look at the Greg Hardy situation, which, you know, we don't, you know, we don't like to talk about and <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. it, for, for, for obvious reasons, but it, at the same time, like this was a young man who was going through the legal process and because the legal process in North Carolina was worded in a particular way, then the national media was able to, to just, you know, I don't want, I'm trying to use the, use them, they were, they were later beat him up, you know. No, I don't mean to say that, but you know, they were allowed to because he was convicted of a bench trial, which meant that he was going to the real. T- that everyone could say that he got convicted, and I really do think that it. And I'm not. I, I, I feel like that everybody around here kind of took a bad, took a bad beat on that one, because it, people weren't people were more interested in reporting that he got convicted than reporting the accuracy of the of, of the case. Um, and I do feel like even with the with the you know jerry getting caught up in the me too like, i feel like this organization definitely taking some untimely lumps it's taking that, some hits that Boy, that don't right about that. you know it's like we, we shoot we just got done talking about rake ruth and like now now we've, we've got these other ones and it's like for it for a franchise that doesn't have as you know that long of a history we, we've got some there's some some there's big some, marks there's been some black eyes for sure hasn't it and you know hardy's was i was there were you there that day i mean that was a weird 10 or 12 hours it all happened in one day yeah um and i think he got and he's a guy that got bad advice too from people around which i think matters like from his lawyer like he could have he could have handled they could have handled that situation a whole lot differently than they did and he did get another chance right yes i mean he ended up not here but i mean it was at dallas i mean Mm -hmm. is that where he ended up and he just ended up not being that good anymore yeah which was strange because he was really good here for a while um but yeah no that was uh that was 
the Hardy one and would it's be hard. another good subject for a podcast. And I mean, it, I still don't know where the truth yeah, lies there. We'll take it yeah. on the Riot Network. <laughs> Look forward to Hardy. Yeah. You can have that one. Coming in 2021. <laughs> well, it is so, so crazy just because people we, – we, Loved him. He was a great quote. He was. He he was really impact. Like you look, that was it was him and Josh Norman on that defense and the attitude that they provided, and then and just gone. just gone. Yeah. That's that's gone. one that does need to be a podcast just for the fact that there's so many different versions of that story. And oh boy, uh, it'd be a mess to sort out. Yes, and, and, and your assignment if you choose to accept. <laughs> it. Um, Hardy. Before we wrap this thing up. Uh, for people that haven't listened to the Caruth podcast yet, there's kind of like one takeaway or one thing you really want people to leave with that. What is it? Uh, just that something good can come out of something bad, I would say. And also people don't – I'm sure a lot of people listening to this have never heard of it or haven't don't know where to find it. You just got to search Caruth on any podcast provider. The, the most common one is iTunes, but there's plenty of others that you can find it. Just one word, Caruth. But, yes, I think that's the uh, – that's what I – hope that people take out of it is that you know a lot of people have have written me about it and said you know I thought I was getting into a a true crime story and I ended up getting a love story they don't mean between Ray and Sharika they mean between the grandmother and the grandson and that's the part of it that I like to emphasize where can people find you on the uh, interwebs the interwebs well (laughs) uh, you can find us charlotteobserver.com is the easiest place that's where all our Panthers coverage uh is with Jordan Rodriguez and Marcel and myself. Um, but you can find me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fowler, F-O-W-L-E-R. Beautiful. And, and he replies to every uh, mention. Well. <laughs> <laughs> we all do. We all reply. Just tweet at us. Let us know. <laughs> let, let us know if you don't like our opinion. Happy to tweet back. <laughs> Colin, where can they find you? At Colin CLT on Twitter. Josh. Uh, you can find me at Josh Klein Rules, and uh, I do rule, and I'm in the eighth grade, apparently. Mm-hmm. Very mature. Very mature. For and shower talk. Go there for shower go talk. Go there for the shower talk. It's a lot of Harris Teeter uh, <laughs> sub party chat right now. I just <laughs> talk about how good my sub was at Harris Teeter during the off season. That's what I talk about a lot on Twitter. <laughs> this has been One Day Contract, a member of the Riot Network, powered by Ortho Carolina, Scott Ballard, your One Day Contract is up. Rest